0: Check, check, one, two.
1: All opinions expressed are those of The Front Row Show and do not reflect those of Utah State, Utah State Athletics, or any of its affiliates.
0: a podcast a podcast the original the original the original utah state aggies podcast for the fans by fans i'm jeff brownie i'm matt sonnenberg i'm trevor well i'm kyle haywood i'm lance Rasmussen. i'm steve shortening and i am josh McDonald. and this and this and this, this and
1: this and this and this is, is the, the front row, row show, show.
0: Welcome to the Front Row Show, everybody. I am your host, Jeff Browning, and let's cut straight to it. Joining me tonight in a very celebratory mood is Lance Rasmussen. Lance, Hi, how buddy. you doing? It's
1: good to be here. Uh, can you... it's, been, it's been a while, <laughs> but uh, I can't imagine a better
0: episode to, uh, to be able to make my return for. Well, well, Lance, what's got you in such a good mood tonight? Because uh, I, I can know. think of uh, a couple of things.
1: There's there's a few things that have happened recently that were just uh, wonderful. Uh, one of them was the fact that I discovered that the BYU TV replay of last week's game is also available on YouTube right now, which means I can hear their Homer announcers when I watch my next time through the game, which I've done almost four times already. <laughs> and what is their take on the game? Actually, no, 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 let's no. uh, that? it's real fun to hear them uh try to maintain some sort of objectivity uh and then just watch it crumble uh,
0: around them it's it's quite nice uh, objectivity isn't their strong suit i would say but it never has been let's uh let's recap the season as a whole right now for utah Great. state um our last podcast we talked about the michigan state game since then utah state has ripped off four straight victories averaging over 50 points a game one of the top offensive teams in the nation, number two in the nation in like takeaways, touchdowns, whatever you want to say. Lance, this team's rolling right now. What are your thoughts on the season so far? Uh, it's been it's it's always funny to me that that people. It actually came up in
1: the BYU game as well. We are very programmed as a fan base to doubt ourselves and question our own legitimacy a lot of the time. Because in the past, it's come back to bite us over and over and over again. And there's a couple of key things that I think are worth pointing out about this specific team. Uh, the first of which is we have scored more points against all of our opponents than any of their other opponents have scored against them. Which means that all of this argument about, oh, strength of schedule, blah, 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 blah. It doesn't matter. We're playing weak teams so far. Doesn't really matter in that specific statistic because we are setting records for every single one of our opponents as far as what their defense is willing or able to give up. Uh, And it's just been a breeze for us to to be able to handle things. And I think the thing that I love the most about it is we're doing it in different ways. Jordan Love can beat you through the air with our receiving core with no issue. However, we also have two running backs that Post-BYU game are still both averaging over six and a half yards per carry. Uh, in what people were saying is a questionable run game earlier on in the season. Uh, it's just uh we we've been able to beat teams in so many different ways, uh through blowout games, eking out close game victories on the ground on the defensive side, special teams. We've I don't know if we've played a perfect game yet, as Coach Wells post-game uh cheering after BYU said. But we've been
0: damn good enough. Well, it's been fascinating to me to see see this Utah State team be able to impose their will on pretty much any opponent. And even to some extent, Michigan State. I mean, we mm. were very, very much in that game. And there were times where we were, where we were in control of that game. But, I mean, looking, obviously, you know, you play New Mexico State. Whoop-de-doo, you know, a New Mexico State team that lost almost all of its talent off of last year's team. You blow them out. Uh, Tennessee Tech, you blow out. We knew that was going to be a blowout. But then comes Air Force. And Air Force has given us fits the last couple of years, along with the referees. So (laughs) when you're
1: battling... Well, I mean, the, the triple option has been notoriously hard for us to be able to defend. Like, it's just been incredibly difficult for our specific scheme to be able to handle since our transition into the Mountain West. It
0: has been. And it just for us to come out and, you know, really control the game, you know, in the first half like we did, Air Force makes a game of it in the second half. But the thing I liked so much about the Air Force game is Utah State punches Air Force, Air Force punches back, and then Utah State finishes it. It, it was just nice to Absolutely. see. When in the last couple of years, we'd seen this Utah State team, when they got punched in the, in the mouth, just kind of fold well and and it's it's also interesting there, there's two things that
1: i think are worth pointing out from it the first is air force punched us in the mouth but we also punched ourselves in the mouth yeah it's true. Uh, we <laughs> we let air force back in that game with some mental errors a couple of questionable calls uh specifically one about forward progress having been stopped for almost 4 seconds before they actually decided to blow the whistle that was uh, a garbage and, call like, and some and some <laughs> other things garbage. that happened uh but we're we have been self-inflicted injuries keep happening to us and we're able to overcome it. I'll point specifically to the BYU game as well. BYU did not score in the game we played against them without having at least 15 yards worth of penalties on the drive. It was their uh, best... No,
0: seriously. like It was their best offense just to chuck the ball in the air and hope for past interference. That was their best well, offense and, and the whole
1: night. One of the big things is is I, I, there's been a lot of people who have been very concerned about those PI calls saying, well, we got to clean up the secondary. But one of the big issues uh, and I, I will say that our receivers were actually playing very good coverage if Mangum was a decent quarterback, right? If Mangum was actually able to hit his receivers in stride in the flats, <laughs> there's no P.I. calls on those plays. But so many of those deep balls involve BYU receivers having to stop and come back for the ball, which forced our receivers into them. Uh, and, and that's where your P.I. calls. Now, you've got to be aware of that, but historically speaking, having a quarterback who consistently underthrows the long ball is not going to be something that's going to be a danger, especially when we're putting up the number of points that we are per game at this point.
0: Utah State, like I said before, right now, 4-1. and But Aggie fans, I know you're listening to this podcast for one reason, and one reason only. Well, a couple reasons. First off, you love us. Second off, we need to celebrate this BYU Let's win. recap the game. <laughs> Yay. Uh, let's recap this game specifically. Utah State goes into Provo, and I'm going to use this word, and tell me if this is the appropriate word, Lance. Easily defeats the BYU Cougars. The game was easy. Here's
1: the, here's the deal. When, I, when I'm sitting back with a 22-point lead and go, ooh, they may get a little closer at this point, yeah. Uh, it was, it was amazing, and, and uh, I'll point out specifically Coach Wells' attitude towards this game at halftime. He got interviewed on ESPN and asking, well, what is there things you guys need to improve? What do you need to be able to do to come out? Are you worried that about the the punt that you made? Should you have gone for it? And he goes, no, we we, we shot ourselves in the foot, and if we come out in the second half and score on the first couple of possessions, we right where we want to be, and we did. We came out, scored on two consecutive possessions, put us up 35, uh, and then we just said, cool, and for the rest of the game, our, our, I mean, not to say that we lost our competitive edge, but we went conservative, right? Because yeah. we needed to run the clock out. And Jordan Love already had 160 yards and three, if not four, touchdowns by that point in the game, right? Yeah. And we said, okay, we'll just go to the ground game. And Bright and Thompson are able to run off for over 230 yards. Like it's, It was methodical. It was... a a huge point to better training, better execution, better coaching, better discipline, better athletes. Uh, 100% of the things fell in our favor that game from preparation to effort to uh, intensity
0: to the points at the end, uh, you know, on the scoreboard at the end of the game. The the thing I loved about this game is there was nothing gimmicky about what Utah State did. We showed up to Provo, we smacked him in the mouth, and we walked out with a victory. There was nothing gimmicky that we had to do in order to win this game. No, in, in yeah, years you know, past, we, it's been just, the case. Yeah. We just play, been, we just played football, and that was enough. And
1: the, to be the, that far ahead was play, huge. Yeah, the trickiest play that you saw us execute was a double reverse to Aaron Vaughn's around the side, right? Yeah. But other than that, it was just football. It was a quarterback making really good reads, really short passes across the center of the fields, receivers making good catches, and our running backs doing good work, our defense playing solid, well-read. And this is one of the things that I'd I'd like to point out specifically because so many people vaunted this new, the Grimes coached uh, uh, BYU offense, this this hybrid offense where they use the jet sweep to open up the field as a pseudo triple option threat that would really force us to be able to spread the field and open up their their passing game you look at the way that we handled those jet sweep options they threw at us i mean here you're you ready for this Mm -hmm. uh byu rushing in that game uh i'm going to eliminate uh zach wilson from contention because he did not play in any time that mattered Right, so all of these jet sweeps um, from the backfield. Uh, Katoa had eight carries for 24 yards, averaging three yards a carry. Simon, one carry for three yards. Kifo, one carry for three yards. Squally Canada, three carries for negative one yards. And Tanner Mangum had a 15-yard uh, sack. Uh, this, this what spread out the flanks of this defense and really forced them to have to spread the field so I can throw the ball better did not work. And a lot of it, a it's game planning. It's us proving to us to ourselves that we could do it at the Air Force game, and then it's just the brilliance of two weeks of prep and incredible execution
0: by our players uh, on on Friday night. I, I've said this before. This defense has some nasty to it. Just it has nasty to it. And the thing I loved, uh, and credit to the defensive coordinators for this, is when BYU had the momentum. Uh, there, there was a little bit in the second half. Where you felt like maybe they could mount a comeback, you know, you know they had scored right before halftime, you know maybe they could get something going, and and what do they do? They bring John Trell Rockamore off the edge twice, <laughs> and and one time he finally gets to Mangum, strips him. Oh man, that and that the game's over. F- it's, it's over. It's, it's legitimately
1: over. The, the the same the same defensive scheme play. And on the second one, strip sack for a a fumble, and he recovers his own fumble. It's just just incredible. And here's one thing I would like to point out about our defense. And we're going to talk a little bit about this on the offensive end in just a minute as well. Um, But if you look at uh, our leaders on tackles on defense this year um, against Air Force, we had five guys with double-digit tackles. Gage Ferguson, John Terrell Rockermore, uh Sully, Suli, uh, Tommy, I, I, I have never said his name, and I'm just realizing this. <laughs> Come on, hit me. Hit me, Jeff. I, I'm glad you're the one butchering the Polynesian name, but not me. Tommy Ivana. Tommy Suli. I'm going to go with that. Uh sure. Tipa Galea or Galeai? Galeai? Tipa time. Hi. Hi. Man, I'm struggling tonight. Uh, but David Woodward uh, all had five tack, uh, or double digit tackles in the Air Force game. If you look at the Tennessee Tech game, uh, as far as defense goes, uh, we were led by Chase Nelson and Chase Christiansen and Eric Munoz uh, in, for tackles. In the New Mexico State game, uh, def- defense, Aaron Wade also had double-digit tackles in that game, along with uh David uh David Woodward. And then in the uh in the Michigan State game, as far as our defense goes, uh Bond, Rocker Moore, Christiansen all had nine. David Woodward had 16, right? So you've got guys all over the place. Uh the BYU game specifically, um, you're looking at our defense being led by Jamarcus Ingram, with six solo tackles and three pass deflections, uh, who had not made an appearance anywhere else in the season, they were attacking him through the game, and he met the challenge. Right? Uh, yeah. We have had multiple leaders on this defense who are able to take over, uh, take over games, and lead this defense in in making their defensive stands. Uh, the defense has some nasty to him. Um, led by incredible play by Teepa specifically, but all over that front, Woodward is doing incredible things this year. Uh, And yeah, I think think pointing out their level of consistency, and most especially, if I can make the transition, the fact that uh, in years past, our defenses had to win us games because our offense was hit or miss so often that our defense had to give up so few points that our offense could outscore them. That's mm-hmm. no longer the case. Our defense could give up more points and can give up more points this year because our offense is so potent.
0: How good is Jordan Love? Like, like seriously, are are we witnessing the birth of a superstar here at Utah State in Jordan Love? I mean, the amount of talk that already
1: he was receiving uh, just from announcers on the on on the broadcasts about a potential NFL talent uh, as a sophomore, a redshirt sophomore. Means that if he sticks around for another year or two, uh, we 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 could be watching some amazing things. It's all about staying healthy, uh, but he's also not taking hits. That's the th- that's the big difference. There's a lot of Chucky Keaton in this guy, probably because Chucky Keaton's coaching this guy. Probably so. But he's not scrambling, right? We've got a run. We've got a rushing attack that he's able to use. He's very smart about when to pull that ball in. He does not take the ball very often on uh, the option plays. And when he does, it's a complete surprise. And he's scored, the, ma- I think the majority of his touchdowns have come on the only one or two times in a game he's kept the ball in an option, right? Mm-hmm. So he's not running the ball as much. He's lethal from the pocket. His vision is great. His long ball is great. Um, and yeah, I mean, you look at the, I mean, the, the most telling thing in my mind is the number of times he's hit receivers in the hands and the receivers have dropped the ball would add another four or five touchdowns to his total
0: this year already, which would be crazy His, his touch, like the way he can just, I I think the perfect example is that lob pass to Terrell in the first quarter. Absolutely. Where, where he just, I, I just, I, it's such a simple throw, but I've almost never seen a throw like that from a Utah state quarterback where he just lobs it over the middle, but he had such great touch on the ball that he actually throws Terrell open and Terrell is able to rumble for another 20 yards because of the touch on that pass i i look at this game and i'm looking at the stats right now the thing that stands out to me byu is an unathletic team and because they are unathletic they have to run the ball their whole offense is predicated on the run utah state comes in this game smacks him in the mouth is up 14 to nothing in the first quarter and that nullifies byu's run game because now they have to pass they can't run yep.
1: What it was another good point that was brought up on the broadcast that BYU for, his lo- for a long time has tried to say, well, we want to be Wisconsin. We want to be LSU, right? We want to be big, dirty, on-the-ground, hard-nosed football guys who will beat you on the ground and then play action in, and into a deep fall and, and scare you. And that's just not their identity. They're not disciplined enough for it, and they're not athletic enough for it at this point. Uh, they were able to squeak out a victory in the... Uh, big unathletic contest against Wisconsin this year. But I don't know how good you can feel about that top five, you know, that top 25 game uh, or a top 10 game, even with that victory, when in the next two weeks, you combine for 27 points and less than 100 yards on the ground.
0: Yeah. I I mean, it's just... The thing is... It's embarrassing. (laughs) They should be embarrassed. And they are embarrassed. Mm -hmm. The thing is... And the, and the thing that I loved in this game, almost more than anything else, BYU has always been the more physical team when it comes to playing us. We've never been able to out-physical them. But you look at this. 42 rushing attempts for Utah State for 223 yards. That's an average of 5.3 yards on the game. Or on, on the ground. Which means our offensive line was pushing their big boys around. Oh, That is and just it, it glorious was- to see.
1: It's also really impressive uh, to watch some of the feedback on people who suddenly realized that we have two guys on our O-line that transferred from BYU. (laughs) Uh, And the fact that they got up here and they got their bodies right. Uh, The Shoals program works incredibly and it shows. uh, And we are in a completely different realm than they are right now as far as physical training and their acumen. And our, our O-line and our D-line handled things pretty handily this game simply because they were better prepared and stronger.
0: You, you know what blows my mind about this offense? I don't know. I, maybe blows my mind is, is the wrong word, but just how dangerous this team is. You look at you know, Jordan there, you look There's at Jordan so Love. many weapons. There's so many weapons. Thompson, Bright. You have Tarver. You have Dax Raymond. You have Jalen Green. You have Aaron Vaughns. I mean, just the list goes so, on. one of my favorite things at this point is the number
1: of players on our team that have led our team in receptions in any game this season right oh yeah Uh, you have green uh, I believe if you go through you've got green Tarver and Raymond all at different points have led the team in receptions right yes and uh, behind them you've got other receivers that are having opportunities to catch and go it's we have so many guys that are lethal in so many different ways. And like I said, if you, if you try to stop our run game, Jordan Love will beat you through the air. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you try to stop the passing game, we have, once again, two guys at this point. Uh, Darwin Thompson, 45 carries for 374 yards, six touchdowns, um, averaging 8.3 yards per carry on the season so far, right? Gerald Bright, 54 carries for 349 yards, four touchdowns, uh, averaging 6.5 yards per carry on the year so far. Uh, you've got a one-two punch in those two guys who actually run very, very similar styles. I mean, what, what do you do to stop us? That, that's, that's, that will be the big question on the year is who is capable of stopping the Utah State offense?
0: Well, I mean, looking at the upcoming schedule... Uh, maybe Wyoming, but after Wyoming, Wyoming,
1: (laughs) I, I mean, here let's, let's, (laughs) let's compare Wyoming real quick.
0: (laughs) Yes. Uh, I just,
1: let's see. Where are they? Where are they?
0: Why, why you pull that up? Just let me talk just a little bit about, again, how watching this game, just how easy this was for, for Utah state. It just blew my mind. I've never seen anything like it. No, for, we coasted. Uh, for a We just, coasted through this game. Oh, we could have hung 50 on them plus easily.
1: Oh, I mean, and that's the thing is easily. like I said, two two possessions into the second half, we got comfortable with our lead and said we don't need to, we don't need to push this anymore. Yeah.
0: I, I, we and only scored
1: one more touchdown the rest of the game, but it's because we chose not if we wanted to, that score could have been over 70. I, I kinda wish we would have, but at the same time. I mean, once again, the, I think we all do, but there's the there's the classy move by Wells at that point to just say well, we're not gonna we're let's not gonna have let's that play
0: happen. devil's advocate. What would be a bigger slap in the face to the almighty BYU than to say, eh? We don't we don't need to really worry about about yeah, this I mean, anymore. That, that,
1: we're just <laughs> we 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 have this game won halfway through the third quarter. Thank you. Goodbye. Yeah. We're done. We're gonna start a Utah State chant inside your stadium that will be
0: louder than your own cheering. I I need the sound clip of that somehow. It was the most glorious thing. Minute and twenty seconds in the first quarter to hear that Utah. You'll be able to State dig it up. It Utah. was so good.
1: Oh. Is, is there uh, a sweeter sound? Let me let me let me give you some some uh, Wyoming preview. Uh, they held New Mexico State to seven points. Okay, that's not impressive. They gave up 41 points to a Washington State team that is not that great. They gave up 40 points to Missouri. Uh, The fewest points that they have allowed so far this season, New Mexico State, they gave up seven, obviously. Wofford and Hawaii, they gave up 17 points, but that's Hawaii without their starting quarterback, and Wofford is Wofford. And then they proceeded to give 34 points up to Boise State. That is not a defense that I'm concerned about in any way, shape, or form. Um, when they are currently averaging almost 30 points given up per game, and we have a history of this point, if an opponent is giving up 30 points per game, we score 45 on them. Uh, I mean, once again, next, obviously next game up, that's where we're going and you cannot get lackadaisical or overconfident with anything, but I trust our offense to score on any defense that we are going to face potentially through bowl season.
0: Well, I was going to ask you, I mean, looking at the schedule, we have UNLV coming up this week. It's homecoming week. UNLV has lost their starting quarterback in Amari Rodgers, who was fantastic, by the way. But, I mean... Yeah, I, I mean, I, averaging 121 yards I, a game rushing is is Fantastic is player, but he's no longer there. So that, I, I mean, New Mexico just boat raced UNLV last week. But looking forward, you, you have UNLV at Wyoming, New Mexico at home, at Hawaii... Versus San Jose State at home, and then at Colorado State before you head to the blue turf in Boise. Do you yeah, see? A, do you see a game in front of us that is a potential trip game or a trap game for us? Not
1: with the way that the other teams are performing right now. I I I, I, I won't take anything away. I, I I don't want to say it's necessarily just because I think we're so great, but the rest of the teams we're going to face this year are in trouble. Uh, UNLV is in trouble without a starting quarterback. Hawaii is in trouble without a starting quarterback. Uh, Wyoming just lost to a team without their starting quarterback. Uh, I mean that—that that I think will be our toughest game as of right now. But they're two and four uh, with victories against nobody, right? Yeah. Um, so I—I I just don't percentage-wise, and if you look at the predictor ratings out there that exist, we are favored in every single matchup until we get to Boise.
0: I, I will favored heavily yeah I will put it this way if Utah State plays their best football against the remi- the teams up until Boise and they play their best football we're gonna win every game that this just I, I just don't see the stumbling block I mean at Hawaii you have the travel that could be difficult you know Wyoming it's at Wyoming I get it it's the plains but I just look at the weapons they do this. have
1: Sean at this point. I would like to point that out. If we lose that game, it's because they they stole Sean. Our, our SID is now working for that's Wyoming. True. Sean, come so. back
0: to us. We know you're listening to this podcast. I'm just come, saying. Come back for you're one, I think
1: that's the one advantage that they have is the fact that I can't now get insider stats from my SID guy at our
0: university. It is so annoying. I mean, Colorado State's, <laughs> a, Colorado State's a dumpster fire. San Jose State is, of course, San Jose State. I just. It, I, it's
1: It's. And I mean once again at the end of the season you're going to look at us come up against the argument of who have they really played this season and the answer may be nobody. But if we play nobody and still go 11 and 1 uh into a Mountain West Conference championship game,
0: I'm I'll take it. I will absolutely take it. Do you do you think looking cuz I mean Boise State lost to San, Di- San Diego State. Do does you if Utah State runs the table do we go into Boise favored? because uh, you're looking at a Utah State team that if they run the table and they blow teams out, I think that's the caveat. Not only do you have to win, I mean, it, you have to blow teams out. Utah State is going to be the top 25 by that. Yeah, time. Yeah, it's
1: it's 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 going to be a big question of how Boise State does through the rest of the year as well. Um, let's if we want to go check their, I mean, they're currently favored 66.8 to 32 or 33.2 uh, percent as far as the ESPN matchup predictor goes um but they've basically just got conference slate in front of them as well besides BYU they look like they could clear it but they've also got two losses at this point um one to a decent Oklahoma State squad and one to the San Diego State squad that could potentially be leading the west division out of uh into the conference championship game so i don't know i really don't know it's a uh, it i i it would be hard to imagine that if we both run the table for the rest of the season, that that won't be a toss-up game going into the game.
0: Could be. Could be. So to, to just finish up BYU and, and leave them in the dust where they belong, what was your favorite moment of the game? Just What had you sworn uh, in the biggest? Come on now.
1: There, there was probably three different moments, uh, and I, I wouldn't know how to choose necessarily between any of them. Oh, the share first, the ball. The show first, them all the first is the interception for the touchdown where the game opened up and as a Utah State fan I was sitting there going is this going to be just like history is this going to be another knockdown drag out because you remember a couple of years ago when was it was a Van Noy who made the interception off Chucky for the return yes very early on in that game before the Chucky injury and everything fell apart um that I that the demoralizing feeling that that was knowing oh no they've got control of this. Um, but knowing that the tables had turned at that point, as soon as we scored that drive or that, that off that interception, that part of my heart just went, no, we're, we're going to be good. And then the next possession is my second favorite uh, is the Gerald bright touchdown catch uh, where he does. He, he threw the Garrett crazy, just a little bit, just a little bit of the crazy, uh, which is, I think, <laughs> gonna be a long-standing tradition for Aggies in that stadium. Uh, and then our third moment uh is Jordan Love grabbing himself a nice celebratory taunt penalty for the shushing, uh, as he just embarrassed a crowd putting us up 45 uh points and just just we owned that stadium that night. It was one of my favorite tweets I saw today as someone edited the Wikipedia page for uh, the BYU football team that says they're a Division One collegiate football team owned by Utah State University. Yeah, I saw uh, that too. It was so good. Uh, but those would be my three favorite moments from the game, I think, aside from the clock clicking down to zero and maybe visiting Cougar
0: Board afterwards. Those are all just fantastic moments. I think for... I'll what, uh, what about yourself? Yeah, I, I will echo all those uh that are just fantastic i i think the rockamore sack and the and the fumble was just fantastic because you knew that was the nail in the coffin it it was over they weren't going to. oh man they were done when
1: they were toast when 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 you watch our guy get through that free and just have his way not just a sack but watch him sack fumble recover my own fumble and here's the deal had he not dove on that fumble himself Chippa would have had a second defensive touchdown because he was
0: unguarded right behind him for a scoop and score. I think that was one of my favorite moments. I mean, all the touchdowns were fantastic. Even the touchdowns that were called out of bounds that weren't out of bounds.
1: I mean, and here's, here's the deal. The, 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 the confidence... And, and, and people are like, well, why didn't we try to challenge those calls? Because we didn't, we need, didn't to need to. We didn't need to. Because our offense was positive that they would be able to just run the ball into the end zone regardless, right? That's two touchdowns that called, got called back incorrectly for out of bounds. And we still said, okay, we'll just score it normal. Don't worry about it. Yeah. It's incredible. You compare that to even last year's game where they called back touchdowns that we made. The Tarver touchdown against Air Force, for uh-huh. example... Uh, and that destroyed that game for us. We had it happen twice in this one, and our offense is just... We have so much swagger and confidence on that field. We go, we don't even need the review. We'll just score anyway. It's okay.
0: I, I think, though, the crescendo of this game for me was the Utah State chant going back and forth.
1: Oh, my just gosh. It's in so, that
0: stadium, which and has the, been, End of the
1: first quarter,
0: and we dominate. It, Top I mean, to bottom, fans, players, everything. I mean, BYU if we're honest, has been a house of for Utah State for decades. We just, we don't do well there. Nope. And, and to go into their stadium to hear that chant was just, oh, it was, it was just music to the ears. It was just so, so good. Definitely my favorite moment. Well, everybody, now we're going to move on to your favorite moments that you shared with us on the tweet sheet. And we're going to start off. We have a couple questions as well. Johnny Floyd, we're going to save until the end because he's got some really
1: good ones. He, he, had, some, he had some burners <laughs> this week.
0: <laughs> oh, uh, those Brothers Floyd. They're ah, good people. Sh- shout out to the Brothers Floyd. I May I also say one of my favorite Twitter exchanges was between the Brothers Floyd and a BYU fan. And I don't remember what the BYU fan said, but they basically said, do you want us to show you the Hinckley scholarship that we bypassed to go to Utah State? And oh, it was it was so good. They were throwing out it's all, SAT scores. Always
1: amazing. Oh, yeah. So you you know you scrape the bottom of the barrel as often as you can. But you know what's real funny? Geography
0: jokes. Oh, gets oh, me every gosh. time. <laughs> because anyway, on Utah to the tweets at Ogden, I I don't get that. Anyway, Ogden Aggie, <laughs> speaking of Ogden, tweets at us. He says if the Aggies went out through Boise to earn a trip to the Mountain West Championship game. What are the odds they would host in Logan? I think it's looking pretty darn good at this point. Um,
1: although it, it really all depends. Uh let's check here. Do Fresno and San Diego State play each other, right? Yes, they do. I believe so. Yeah, because they're in the same division. Yeah, they, they they play the week before, so they play November 17th. Um it'll really it'll really all depend on how things go for the rest of the season. Um Here's, here's, here's the tricky part about all of this. Boise State and Fresno State play on the ninth. Fresno State and San Diego State play on the 17th. So yeah. one of those two, if Fresno loses to Boise and beats San Diego State, we host. Uh, mm-hmm. If San Diego State beats Fresno, then it comes down to who's ranked the highest by the end of the season, which is going to be tricky uh, because they're also looking good. But their one loss on their schedule will look—it's—it's—it's it's weird because their loss to Minnesota looks worse than our loss to Michigan State, but their victory against Toledo will probably look better than our victory uh, against Brigham Young.
0: I don't know, right?
1: So it's there is a heavy chance that we could host,
0: um, but it really all depends on what goes down on the other side of that bracket. Sam McConkey tweets in, he says, after the four and one start. Things are looking good for Matt Wells. Has Matt Wells finally figured it out as a head coach? We were all upset after the 2016 season, but things are looking up.
1: Uh, I don't know. It's it's interesting. Um, Matt Wells is the first one at this point to ask, what is your team made of? And he says, I'm not quite sure. Are they mentally strong? Well, I'm not sure yet, but we'll find out, right? Um, He's definitely proven a lot. Uh, I think one of the big things at this point is he made an out-of-this-world hire in Coach Yost. Uh, And I think that that... Holding on to Yost is going to be a tricky thing at the end of this season, which sucks. Uh, I would love to see him have one more year under us, but he's going to be a commodity after what this offense is capable of doing. Um, But uh, as far as Wells goes... It seems this year we've finally been able to start. Uh, he's he, We're playing a less conservative game. We're playing in the style that he really has wanted us to play in for a while. Uh, the personnel has fallen in in a way that we haven't necessarily had in the past. Our recruiting is going a lot better. Uh, so I think um, that we had some lulls, but I think definitely... Uh, the faith that the administration put in Wells and some of us didn't, myself included, uh, is finally
0: starting to pay off. Th- this is how I look at the the coaching at Utah State, and really Utah State is a football program. And I hope people don't take this the wrong way as me being complacent, but I look at Utah State and the type of program it is, and I think it's going to be a program that we're going to see we're going to see a flux in. How many games we win from year to year? So, in a in a four year cycle, and I don't want to get too scientific, here, but In a four year cycle, you're going to have teams that are probably going to go six wins, seven wins. But then, once every four years, you should have a team that's like this team that is really, really good. I just think from in terms of recruiting, from development of players, that we're going to see these. We're going to see these uh, waves of. Highs of what we're seeing with this team, but then we're also going to see the team trickle down to you know six six wins into season, seven wins in the season. I would love for Utah State to be consistent and be it's, you know but 10, it's an 11 wins. It, it just it just is. It's just the reality. No, no, and, so you, and and not for Utah, not just for Utah
1: State. Here, let me. I'm going to keep talking for a minute. I'm going to dig up some stats here real quick.
0: No, no, no. It, it's just kind of the reality of being a G5 school that you're going to see these. It's, it's not just
1: it's it's not just the reality of being a G5 school. Uh, there's a, a, a stat group that I follow on Twitter who tweets it out. There have been less than 10 teams over the past decade who have been able to maintain double-digit wins every single season. Yeah, so what I don't and want... And it just doesn't happen. But for some reason... All fan bases, ours included, sure. but ours sure. especially because I interact with them the most, seem to think that we should be the exception to the statistical rules of the up and downs of the
0: craft. Now, And, and we're not going uh, to be. That's no. just, I guess that's just my point with what you're looking at with Coach Wells. Yeah, this season is fantastic. And it's to be expected because you could see how it kind of built up. The schedule broke really nicely. I still thought he was a decent coach even, you know, last year. I thought actually last year was a, a really good job by him. But you know it's one of those things where you're going to see these dips and that doesn't mean that he's bad or that he doesn't know what he's doing anymore if next year say they go to 8 wins or the year after they go to 6 wins it's just it's just the reality of the position now to me as long as he's keeping us you know in the bowl games I'm okay with that right now. I really, I really, really am. I mean, and, and that's I just, the thing is you look at it and, and people forget where our
1: program was before. When was our first bowl game? Was it twenty twenty 2012, 2011? Our first bowl game as a program was the 93 Las Vegas bowl. Right. No, but I mean, I mean, after, after the oh, 90, yeah. you know, under, under the current regime, Gary Anderson's first bowl game was what? 2011, 2011. Yeah. In between 2011 and 2018, we've been to seven. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's, that is that's maintaining right we we want to win all of them and last year was a huge fluke for a lot of reasons uh and we want to go to one every year but we're coming we are a program that was literally the worst program in the nation in 2006 we were the worst division one football team in the nation in 2006 Mm -hmm. and less than 12 years later we're now on the verge of potentially, potentially, if the cards fall in the right place, Mountain West Conference Championships and New Year's Six Bowl entrant. Yeah. Right? There's a lot to get to that point. It's a huge gauntlet to have to go through, which involves a lot of other really good football programs losing. But that's incredible. And oh, the yeah. fact is, we. I, yes, I would like us to have that kind of success every single year. And I think a bowl game as a standard of success is great. But until we lose three years in a row where we don't get to a bowl game, we need to be very, very happy with the level of success that this program is is, is entertaining at this point.
0: Yeah, and I don't want people to misconstrue that. That means you can't raise expectations, you know, but just no, no, no. Here's under, the understa- the- understand the ebbs and flows of college football. But I do think once in a four-year cycle, Utah State should have a team that should go and contend for a Mountain West championship like this Absolutely. team is doing this year.
1: The people Aren't, who say being happy with anything means you're complacent are liars and they're fooling themselves. You are allowed to enjoy your accomplishments and say that all in all, eight to nine wins for any Division One college football program is should be considered a decent year. Right? It's just the law of averages says that six and six is where most teams will will, will land. If you can beat that by two wins, you deserve to start feeling good about yourself. And if you can land double-digit wins once every four to six seasons, you should feel really good about yourself. Matthew, Moore, especially, especially oh, sorry, especially with the level of turnover that we have on a player and coaching basis, right? The I fact agree. that we are a G five school that's going to get our coaches sniped all the time.
0: Maintaining that consistency is incredible. Matthew Morrissey tweets in. He says, "In your opinion, is our improvement more to do with recruiting?" or hiring the right coordinators? The answer to this is yes. Uh, It is
1: recruiting, hiring the right coordinators, and developing talent. Yes, that's that's the third. I I, I think that's the third thing to tie in to remember with this. Yost is brilliant doing what he needs to do. The fact that we don't have a special teams coordinator and we're running in committee right now, I think is a bold and very good move that's showing itself. Our defense is very well coached right now. Um, But you look, real quick, Let's let's run a history of Utah State defensive coordinators and where they are now. Uh, starting with Gary Anderson's defensive coordinator. Oh, right, the number one most highest paid uh, assistant coach in college football at LSU. Uh, what about the other really great defensive coordinator we had soon thereafter? Todd Orlando. Where is he
0: right now, Jeff? Defensive coordinator at Texas, making Texas. I think more than who, Matt Wells makes.
1: Who who? Oh, easily. Who uh, I think Aranda is making one point seven million dollars a I think year. That's right. Uh, but you look, we have had, we have been the jumping off point for some of the greatest defensive minds in all of college football at this point. LSU just lost this last week to to Florida, but was undefeated up to that point in the season, still ranked among the top teams in the nation. Texas just beat a top ranked Oklahoma squad. Uh, and is in a resurgence this year to reclaim the title as one of the top teams in the nation. Uh, we have a long-standing great tradition of hiring good assistant coaches on the defensive side of the ball, especially. And I think Coach Yost is the first time we've knocked it out of the park from an offensive standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, we've also been really good at recruiting. And I'll point this out specifically because Jordan Love had no other offers out of high school, correct? Mm-hmm. Right? Correct. We, and... We have recruited someone we saw something in and then developed him over three seasons into one of the greatest quarterbacks in the Mountain West Conference, let alone the G5, right? Uh, Then we go in and swoop in and grab uh, grad transfer and Jalen Green, who comes in ready and is one. He's not only a good receiver from catching the ball.
0: He is one of the best blocking receivers I think we have ever had, right? Do you know who, who he reminds me of? Matt Austin.
1: Yeah, he's got he a lot play. of Matt Austin.
0: He's got a lot of Matt Austin in him.
1: The, uh a little less uh height to him, but a little more speed and nasty, right? Uh oh God, Matt Austin's one of my favorite. So many good moments with him. Um, but yeah, I, I just think that it we have we have culminated uh not only and and, and it shows as well recruiting wise with the guys that we have taken away from other programs. The guys who have moved up here from BYU, who are in significantly better physical shape and better football players at Utah State than they ever were at the Y. Um, The fact that we've got young developing talent sitting behind our entire offensive line has backups that I think could play this season and handle themselves well. We've got a quarterback sitting in the pocket that's going to be real good. We've got receivers. We've got, you know, our depth is so good, A, because we recruit well, but we recruit for guys who are going to buy into a system and develop. And I think that our talent development is our number one best asset at this point?
0: I concur, and may may I also add, Dax Raymond, Carson Terrell, recruited right out of BYU's backyard. <laughs> oh,
1: absolutely, and and I mean, it was it's real funny actually. Just before we started recording, I was watching the BYU uh, BYU TV broadcast, and they were like, "Dax Raymond got recruited out of here." When he was getting recruited, it wasn't BYU style to recruit a tight end like him, but now it would be. And I go, "No, you just lost." Sorry, you can pretend that, oh, we didn't recruit him because he didn't fit our offensive style. No, you were blind and you didn't see him when we took him. So thank you, because he is a beast. And if he's going to get injured,
0: now is the stretch of time to do it. Let's move on to Johnny Floyd's questions, because these are going to be fun. First question, he tweets in. he says, Just to redeem myself in your eyes. Thank you, Johnny. Uh, that
1: That's after his first question, or the actual first question. We'll do the second one first. So your redemption is secure.
0: Yes. He says, rank the five in-state wins in the modern era. So 2010 BYU, 2012 Utah, 2014 BYU, 2017 BYU, and 2018 BYU. Which one is your favorite? Rank them in order. Uh, uh, my favorite is the 2011 Utah. Um,
1: 2012 Utah. Or 2012 Utah, sorry. Uh, 2012 Utah game, um, I think, was our announcement that we finally had something going at Utah State. Uh, it meant so much to so many people. It was the the catalyst for, I think, the transition for a lot of things in the program. So I'd put that on my number one um, in, in the list. Uh, number two, oof, I, I may put 2018 BYU at number two um simply because all of the others have been struggles that we have won uh in dramatic fashion in one way or the other and i was worried more in the game than i was entertained and just late and there was something about the atmosphere of just knowing that we had it the entire game that felt really good um Mm -hmm. I would put behind that uh at number 3 this is tied for 2 and 3 the the other win in Provo I think was also astonishingly good uh it was still a close game um and it was a game that no one thought we should win so I would say, I would say that would be a really great option too I'd put that one as tied for 2 maybe 3 uh and then the other two BYU games um where we beat them in Logan uh I mean, the 2010 one, I don't have a whole lot of really specific memory about, uh, aside from the fact that we were were kind of a no-name team. We were able to pull it together and make it happen. Um, So that one may be ranked fifth. Uh, But I have definitely enjoyed all of them extensively. But I put the Utah win first uh, because of what it symbolized for our team as far as an overall turnaround um, for the program. And then,
0: yeah, I think that's my order. What about you? Yeah, I'm with you. I, I think I go... 2012 Utah first, just everything that game was, you know, the, the atmosphere, this is Utah, the Pac-12, as they had started to call themselves by then, you know, the game was nationally televised, it's on ESPN, Sports Center leads off with those highlights, and it was just, what a game it was, I mean, just incredible, and, you know, when Will Davis breaks up that pass in the end zone, I mean, that happened four feet in front of me, like, I was right there, I just, I can't. Memory-wise, I just can't top that. Uh, my second is the 2014 uh, win in Provo just because BYU was nationally ranked. They had the Taysom for Heisman campaign going, which I guess is nothing new. That happens every year down there. Um, but just everything that that game meant to them, and we took it away from them. We destroyed their season season. We destroyed their national ranking. And we also took one of their players because Dallin Levitt transferred up to Utah State after that season. So uh yay, for us. Uh that's probably my second this year's victory in Provo is is like your it's like a second third, second A, second B type of thing. Um, you know, and then 2010, 2017 are kind of the same for me. I just those those three games, the 2012 Utah game just i like you said perfectly just meant so much to the program and was kind of our public announcement that utah state had a good football program not just a good team but a good program and i think that really uh, encapsulated it let's move on to his next question (laughs) he says a dementor is approaching and you have to use your happiest aggie memory in order to fend it off what memory do you use can't be a whole game just has to be a single play or moment in your aggie fandom uh wow um
1: it's it's there's there's two that i will debate between one of which actually occurred in the utah game um in in 2012 uh when we blocked the punt and recovered it for a touchdown uh, I was actually in rehearsal for a, for a play um, over in the Fine Arts Center and I was on about a one hour break. So I was able to run from the Fine Arts Center, sprint across campus, come check into the game, stay for one hour and then go back over to finish rehearsal off. So I didn't get to actually stay for the rest of the game. I watched most of it on my phone or on the TV in the Fine Arts building. And I the literally the last thing that happened is we lined up, uh, they lined up to punt And I'd watched us make the stop, and I'm about to walk out of the stadium when we blocked that punt and scored off of the block, and the place went nuts. And I broke my phone because it fell out of my pocket as I was jumping because I was so happy, and it didn't matter. Uh, And there was that—that I think would be charged. Uh, That would be—that's a a tough one to beat, but I think I think the one that I would have to go with uh, is the Stephon Williams three in the Nevada game. it was one of my first games back uh, from my mission and uh, I, had, I had gone with my friend Rock and we were 10, C, 10 uh, rows back in section F and I, 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 that, that experience will forever define what excitement and loudness mean to me. Uh, I remember my ears literally turning off, losing my balance because I'm yelling so loud and can't hear anything. And watching the entire place just go nuts. Uh, I mean, and it was it was a perfect storm. Mark Fox telling us that crowd noise had no impact on games, one of the best teams that we'd seen play basketball in a long time. Uh, and that specific series of events, the Stevan Williams, well, the uh, uh, the two points to Stevon Williams three to Brady Jardine, uh, blocking Luke Babbitt and then uh, then Stevan Williams hitting that three. Um. Uh, yeah. The, I. I. My Patronus would be very strong. We'll put it that way.
0: <laughs> well, I. I won't use the Devon Williams one. I mean, I was there too, and that's just. That's historic. That's a historical spectrum moment. Uh, gosh, you ask a question. You. You asked to name just one. I, I. can't do it. So, Johnny, I, I hate you because I. I can't do just one. So I. I ah. All right. Uh, obviously, the 2012 Utah game, like I said, I was right there in the end zone. I saw it. Just the euphoria of that was just epic. Uh, but to answer this question, I closed my eyes and, okay, first Aggie thought that comes to mind. And uh, I had two. So you get two. Sorry. First one, 2007 uh, basketball game against Utah. Chaz Spicer hits a three with four seconds left to win the game. And that was my first game back from my mission. And I had a perfect view of it. And just Utah had a better team that year. And oh, that,
1: that was actually in 2006 because that 2006. was the last game right. I saw
0: before I went on my mission. Okay, okay. 2006. Sorry, not 2007. Um, it was
1: technically the 2006-2007 season, but the game occurred in 2006.
0: You're right. You're right. Um, yeah, there we go. My that's first game back. A, that's a hard one to game. beat
1: too. Wow. That,
0: that game was just oh, so fun for him to hit that shot. Just the step back, the ice, just so, so good. Uh, My other one, and this comes from a lot earlier in my Aggie fandom, was the uh, 1999 undefeated Big West season where Utah State ran the table in the Big West Conference. Oh, my gosh. With with a team of just Juco transfers and nobodies. And they ran the table. And this was the Stevon Williams moment for me before Stevon Williams. Bernard Rock hit two three pointers in the second half against Boise State, and he wasn't a three point shooter at all. Uh, but he had one. It was a lot like Stevon Williams, where he curled around, and it was the second three, and he hit it. And that place just erupted, and like everyone knew that we were going undefeated. We were sweeping the conference, and it was just it was euphoria. That game also had the Troy roll dunk. That is just oh so, man. Gosh. Over Hordman? Yeah. See, Johnny, you, you, we can't choose just one. You just
1: There's can't been some good
0: moments in Aggie fandom. My my Patronus would be, like Lance said, would be very, very strong my, with the It would be those a memories.
1: tiny, fierce hedgehog that would just <laughs> real good.
0: Uh, anyway. So, so good. But yes, those are definitely some of my favorite memories. Uh, you know, a couple people got on, shared theirs, Brian Floyd said Morgan Grimm's dunk to seal the WAC tournament in 2011. Mm-hmm. Delicious. Uh, Dylan Jones tweet, tweeted and he said the overtime end zone tip to secure the win over Utah and the storming the field cemented my love for Aggie sports in my freshman year. Yeah, just oh, those moments are just so so good. Uh, Lance. Any, any last words? Any final thoughts before we close yeah, I got, out? Yeah, I, I just got
1: one quick thing, and it's been a while since we've been actually able to say this. Uh, I'm really excited for what our basketball team's about to do this year um, because, like you said, uh, Utah State has a bit of a history of taking some unknown things and converting it into something powerful. We've got some setbacks and some things, but what I'm really hoping is that it's been a while since we've had this kind of crowd momentum from a football team. Um the spectrum used to be the big show in town, right? Yep. Uh, it used to be through through all, especially the you know, 90s and 2000s, especially through the 2000s, there was nothing to be seen uh, as far as a student section presence in Romney Stadium. There were a few people there, but there wasn't anything. We have packed a student section in every home game so far this year, and I don't think UNLV is going to be any different. Homecoming after the BYU victory is huge. We're going to watch the Spectrum get a chance to start coming back this year. And it will be the first time in many, many years where we're going to watch a home crowd that was raised in Maverick Stadium come in and try to see what can happen within the Spectrum environment. And I don't know how it's going to go. Um, Coach Smith is definitely an energy guy. We've got a really good squad this year uh, from the pieces that we're returning. We're returning four out of five starters, which is big. So we'll see, Uh, but I'm I I am for the first time incredibly cautiously optimistic, not just about the program that we're bringing to the table uh, from a basketball perspective, but if there was a year for moment for the spectrum to catch momentum early on in the season, this is that year because it's being done on the football field for us rather than needing to translate specifically over just from hype around the basketball team. So I'm hoping we get to watch that this year. Um, this is going to be a great fall for Utah State sports. We've got a really easy, uh, you know, our our strength of schedule as far as the basketball team and our out-of-conference is pretty, pretty nice, Um, especially for our home slate. Uh, We do have some challenges built into the schedule, um, but we've got a lot of really good returning talent, and the recruiting has gone really well so far. So I'm excited to see where it goes, as well as the fact that, I mean, You look, another one of my favorite Aggie memories is watching the La Tech game for the WAC championship in the spectrum before watching the basketball team play. Right. Like that was one of the greatest things I've done is watching that game specifically uh, our overtime goal lines or not goal line necessarily, but our overtime stand to win that game before uh, watching a game in the spectrum. When both of our sports are hitting, it gets fun. Uh, And so my hope is that that continues through this year. We'll see. And I I challenge everyone to try to bring the enthusiasm from from Maverick Stadium and the excitement about our football program over into the spectrum and see what we can make out of this basketball team this year.
0: Awesome. Uh, My last words, really, really simple. Aggie fans, for years, you asked for a good, if not great football team. You got a great football team. So enjoy the ride. For the Front Row Show, I am Jeff Brown. And I'm Lance Rasmussen. Go Go Aggies. Aggies.